Rachel reached out to me to join our Breaking Up With Binge Eating coaching program. She had already signed up, however, the program wasn't going to begin for a couple of weeks, and I wanted to help her as soon as possible. I invited her to do a session with me ahead of time so we could get her started. Generously, Rachel agreed to let me use our call for the podcast. Thanks, Rachel. It's always important to understand somebody's background when we're trying to help them. You can probably look through your own life history and see how various events have shaped you as an eater. Perhaps food was in short supply at your house, or your parents policed your every move in the kitchen and warned you against eating too much. That could certainly contribute to feeling stressed around food now, no matter how many years ago that was. Perhaps you began to fear particular foods because a health expert, diet program, or book demonized them. Those experiences make it easy to understand how you began to see foods as being safe or unsafe, good or bad. In Rachel's case, you'll hear her describe some of her own history, which helps us understand how her struggles today came to be. Like many people who work with me, her home wasn't very relaxed about food growing up. Nothing highly palatable was allowed. Normalizing her relationship with food is further complicated by the fact that she now shares a home with someone who wants to weigh out every gram of their food. Additionally, you'll hear how her working environment adds yet another interesting element. As Rachel's story unfolds, we can appreciate the obstacle course that is trying to build a healthy relationship with food in a world which often directly opposes that end. But even with her past and the complications of her current life and work, we found many opportunities for Rachel to try something new, level up her skills, and keep moving closer to what she wants. A healthy, happy relationship with food and no binge eating or losing control with food. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. Glad we get a chance to talk today. I was hoping I could help you out, uh, at least get you started with getting to share your stuff and hopefully give you something to start working on until we can get this course running again. Yeah, yeah, I so appreciate that. I um, I like, I so appreciate that. And I also have to like, also again, like, thank you so much for the content in the podcast. Like, it's, um... It's interesting. I've tried doing something like every day to like learn or think about it to like grow my skill set and my education. So like a lot of times I'm listening to podcasts and it's just like, it's incredible. I think I've probably listened to like 40 episodes and it's like almost every single time there's a topic where I'm like, oh yes, that is a story that I've had in my head or that is a thought that's run through it. So it's just really, um, I really appreciate everything that you and the team of Marie Claire have put out um, and say like how much it resonates. Awesome. Uh, I'm so super glad to hear that. Yes, we yes. Um, we try and really reflect things accurately. So yeah, you know, so many people don't uh don't talk about this. You know, they their private experience is the only one that they're having. And so little do they yes. realize what we see from a practitioner's perspective, which is that everyone's having so many of the same thoughts and yeah. struggles, yeah. and people will be like, so this might be the weirdest thing you've ever heard. And then we'll proceed to tell us something we've heard nine times that day. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. 
Um, this one in particular, I will say, is like the might. It was called like might as well. Um, and it ended up being about like learned helplessness, which like I also, also like again with the dogs, like I know the the research study because my my husband and I both went to Penn undergrad, so like we we read a lot of Martin's of his of his work, and it's just like every time we hear about the dogs getting zapped, it's just like ooh, like, like, yeah. nobody likes that. Yeah. Nobody likes that visual. It's like not a very ethical um experiment, but like super super interesting. I have to like imagine them going in and hugging the dogs after. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So let me cool. pull up your email here because you, you, I don't want to ask you for all this information that you already wrote yeah. down. So you right. give me a version of what's going on lately. Mm-hmm. So new job about eight months ago. And so prior to that, you've been working from home, but now you're required to go into the office two times a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in terms of how that impacts your eating, you've yeah. said uh, that the environment at work has a plethora of cakes, sugary snacks, front and center all the time. Yeah. Is this like a typical office environment or hospital? Like what sort of thing? No, sort of it's thing like, it's, like a, it's really, it's a really nice, it's a very nice company. It's it's very nice company. They want people to come to the office. They want to have a really welcoming environment. Um, it's skews towards more younger people. So I think it like skews more towards candy and such, but um, it's just like very, it's like prevalent. Like there's one kitchenette where there's, I want to make it clear. Like it's not, I know that it's not them. It's like me and how I'm reacting to this situation and my own like emotion, like history and challenges and complexity it's just really interesting because i actually i think i've definitely had these behaviors for many many years and like two things have really changed one is the that have like made it come to the service sparked it sparked the fact that they've come to the service one is the changing environment so where you come home where like we don't buy pastries so like being in a place where like there's pastries yeah um, like really nice pastries and i've really enjoyed eating them um, but the second thing that's also changed, and I didn't put this in the note, but I can now eat them and tolerate them. So I um, am 29 right now. Growing up, I could eat anything under the sun. And then when I was like 21 or 22, like a light switch one day, I started getting really, really sick and basically went through like a multi-year elimination diet to, and ended up getting like first cutting out breads and then cutting out like going very actually very low carb and I found that like the more I eliminated the better I felt but then Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was just eating meat water and coffee and cheese like coffee cheese and dairy and I was still getting these like IBS flares like really bad like like outside and you're like I can't go for more than a 20 minute walk from my house because I have to be near a bathroom in case I get sick and have a flare and it was really, it was like really depressing and scary at that time for like multiple years to know like I'm hungry and I don't know what else I can put into my body because I'll get sick. So I think that's where there's like other pieces that I've done some work to understand like where did this like restriction come from? There's a piece growing up where like we couldn't have candy and there's no emphasis on nutrition. There's like a whole bunch of work there that I've done. The second piece that's important to know historically is like I was physically couldn't eat it. So like I physically couldn't eat these things without getting really sick. And then I ended up eating just like on a carnivore diet, like just meat and water. And I was really healthy for many, many, many years all throughout the pandemic. And then every time I tried to reintroduce new foods, I would then get sick, except about a year ago when I started this job. So the thing that's really interesting about this is not only when I started the job and going in and I was in this environment where it's different, 
it was also the first time in like maybe six or seven years where I could eat this variety of foods. And yeah, like my stomach hurt and I would get sick because I was eating so much of it, but I actually wasn't getting sick from the food itself. So that's like, sorry, it's like very hard to type all that out, but that's another piece that's really interesting for me. That's interesting about this is like, I can also, it's a change in environment, but it's also the fact that I can eat it and like not physically, my body, my body's not like rebelling against me. Totally. So yeah, I can understand how yeah. a lot of things can contribute to a complicated relationship with food and yeah. shortage can be self-imposed, imposed by one's parents, mm -hmm. medical diets, weight loss diets, health conditions, food yeah. allergies, all of these things can contribute to an unusual and unpleasant relationship with food where we are torn between trying to avoid it and wanting to run to it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Is your husband, uh, like in the sort of like carnivore diet tribe? Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, he is what I'll say is like not dogmatic and, but we'll basically do once he decides something, he will go all in. So there was a period of time where he was also really interested in the carnivore diet. So he also lived that way. And, and he had a pot, he had a, he had a podcast on it. He put out a couple hundred episodes, loved it. He did it because he wanted to interview certain people in the space that he really admired and he wanted to learn more from people. So it was like very much came from a, a place of like curiosity and helping over time. He personally, so we both followed that and it was like really helpful when it was both of us. Um, and then over time he actually switched and got really into bodybuilding and now he eats like, like an amateur bodybuilder. Um, so like very high carb weighs everything on a scale to the gram, puts everything in chronometer, which is like a whole nother challenge is like living with someone who like weighs, who like, when I talk to him, like, what you up to today? He's like, well, I'm going to have like 150 grams of cream of rice. And then like 25 grams of this and like five grams of almond butter. So like, that's how he thinks. <laughs> um, yeah. And, but he still would run the, he still runs podcasts. Because he really likes helping people, but he actually just rebranded it. So, cause he wants to explore more into like a, a larger diversity of topics and health and nutrition. Um, cool. Okay. So yeah. So that's the home life. So we've got some current situations. What yeah. do you like help with? I think the the piece that I um would love your help with is I I think there's there's this piece around like where I've gotten to is around like the mindfulness and prior I think prioritizing like how me think through like how to prioritize um my health when I'm at work in these situations because I think that if I think of like my my week and my percentage of time when I'm at home I feel really good about being mindful about when I'm hungry when I'm stressed when I'm like stressed and don't want to work not going to food and like finding other ways to like relieve that feeling beyond food and like instead of like numbing that feeling at work that's been really tough because I have to be there and I feel like um in the morning I'm very good lunch is good and then I hit about like two o'clock and somehow like clockwork my body is goes into like um I forget hold on what did you call it an episode this is why I was like this episode I was like I was like this is great um might as well I call it the fuck it um <laughs> it's like two o'clock comes I'm like fuck it um I mean everything uh 
and 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 that's the piece that I, I I feel like I'm I'm having a hard time managing. I've done things like trying to set reminders for myself, so like my phone goes off every day at two thirty, um, to try to remind myself. And it's like it, I I that's the piece that I'm having trouble addressing. And I think I'd really love your help talking through is like through the work that I've done. It's like I I know better now because I can understand there are certain triggers. Yet somehow at this point in the day, like clockwork, when I'm at work, even when I'm at home and I say, fuck it, it's just that I, or might as well. Um, there's a different set of oper- of like options to choose from at home. And even if I just go to the fridge, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have some yogurt. Like I, I can't get past 500 calories in a meal at home because of what we have. It's like not hyper palatable. It's very satiating foods. I'll eat it and then remind myself and be like, okay. I can see what I'm doing here. Let me come back and regroup because we don't have very sugar. We don't have like a very sweet hyperpalatable item. So it's very easy for me to eat it, feel full and be like, okay, I can detach. Whereas at work, it's just, um, I feel like I'm in a hamster wheel. I've like regressed it's like every day at two o'clock. <laughs> so anyway, that's the piece that's, there's like a little bit of anxiety and, and storytelling there, but, uh, that's a piece that I'd, I'd be really curious if you have any advice on. Sure. Okay. So the, the foods you have at home are not very palatable. They're very satiating, mm-hmm. which on one hand is helpful because it prevents you from inadvertently eating 500 extra calories. Yeah. The downside is that it's created this sort of scarcity around pastries and baked goods and those things because yeah. you're not having to practice making the decision of do I want to eat that or do I not want to eat that? Sort of like yeah, if you raise a kid, yeah. Like I think that's right. I think that's right. Environment, yeah. Have yeah. Immune system. So yeah, I think yeah, that's right. Now, what I'm not gonna say is you need to bring all that stuff home. <laughs> that's not where this is gonna yeah. go. Not where this is gonna go. Um, do you have any sort of plan in place when it comes to the low nutrition foods or treats in your diet overall? Um. Not right now because I feel like I'm coming from a place of excess overall. So like through this, my weight, so like part of it is my weight, um, which is very steady. Like I'm five foot three. I'm like fairly muscular and active. Like I work, I do strength training four times a week, um, of like high, high intensity strength training. And I've done that very consistently for like pretty much 10 years, um, or maybe it's like, it was lower, but like in the last few years, it's, it's gone up in frequency. So maybe it was three times a week, now it's four times a week. And it's like better intensity, better quality, et cetera. Uh, but the point is like my weight for the last maybe like five or six years has been very steady at like 118 to 120 pounds. And then in the last eight or nine months, since I've started to work, I've gone up to like 135. So part of it is like, I'm like, I'm full. I know I'm full. Like I feel, I feel bigger. I feel bloated. Like all the other topics around like the pain and the feeling are there so part of it is uh actually right now like I'm happy to not have it in the house because it doesn't appeal to me because I feel I feel so I feel so full like it's been scratched in the last eight months like I've eaten very well like I have the process of eating the foods has been fun um now I'm like not having fun because I also see it as what it is which is like a um a, a, a way of like deflecting stress uh and like trying to numb that feeling and I, I I know enough now like I feel like I've taken the blue pill I've like awoken to that um so it's like not as fun 
the piece that I will say that I do want to do is my husband, he, he's been dieting because he's been practicing, he's prepping for a photo shoot. But after that, the idea that we've had is to have like these weekly dates where we go out and we have a nice, we have a nice meal together where it's like, we're not thinking about macros, we're not thinking about nutrition, we're just there to enjoy it together. And I would hope that I think this is really important to him that I can eat well during the week so that during the weekend, when we have that space together, we can have it. And like, I don't have that sick feeling when I get there because I've eaten so much during the week at work that by the time it comes to the weekend, I just want to give my stomach a break. So like, I really want that too, because I want to spend time with him in that way and have that experience with him. And I'd rather have that experience with him, um, not eating until I get sick with him, but like having something that we can look forward to together, like a couple slices of like a really, like our favorite pizza place and like enjoying that together. I'd rather have that with him than have that at work eating out of stress to like numb myself and then not having that with him on the weekend because I just feel so gross from doing that during the week and then instead of two slices it's like five slices right 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 okay so I I do think it's really important to have some sort of plan to eat foods that are just fun because if you're aiming for zero you feel guilty every time you have one because it's off the plan Mm mm-hmm Whereas if the plan is, and I'm just going to throw out things here. These are not suggestions for you personally, but some of my clients' plans have looked like one restaurant meal a week where I just order what I want and I try and stop it satisfied. Other people's plans are like, uh, I have one treat a day. Mm-hmm. I have other clients where they have a budget for the week. Like I have 10 treats per week. And we talk about a serving of treat being a glass of wine, a handful of fried food, a reasonable portion of ice cream or dessert. So they come up with something like that. Now, if someone wants to lose weight, they still have treats on the plan. We just manage the portion size and frequency of those treats along with their activity level to fit it in. But it's so important that it's not zero. Yeah. So, um, one of the difficult things that often pops up in the bodybuilding community is that people diet with no flexibility whatsoever yeah. for so long before a show that they binge eat after the show. Yeah. So it's just something to be aware of off topic for us today, but. Um, no, I, I, um, I know a lot about bodybuilding eating and yeah. Yeah. More than I, more than I ever thought I would. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I think it's helpful to acknowledge that, as you said, some treat food experiences are better than others. Like enjoying a slice of your favorite pizza with someone you like who also is really enjoying it has a lot to it that you're not getting if you're eating something just to distract yourself from stress at work. Yeah. So I would say think about the foods and situations that create a worth it treat experience. Mm-hmm. And even though you want to lose weight, you can still plan as part of a weight loss plan to enjoy only those really high worth it ones. Mm-hmm. You can you can set a plan frequency like your once per week or it could be more or less frequent than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you understand why I think why I'm talking about including treats? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think that's I hear, I hear what you're saying. Um, 
especially now that I know also that my body can eat it. Whereas there was a long point in time where I mentioned earlier, like part of where the scarcity mindset was like, I was scared to put anything into my body. Cause like, literally I was like, so I was like, I remember talking to a doctor and I was like, there's nothing left. And she's like, yeah, well, like maybe we can put you on medication. I was like, I really don't want to go on medication. And then I took out coffee and I'm, I felt better. And I was like, okay, great. So like just meat and water then. <laughs> so uh, so part of it is like, there's a privilege. Now your body's doing okay with more food groups. Like, can you eat fruits, vegetables, grains? I can eat anything, which is incredible. There was like a five-year period where I, I could pretty much only eat water. And like with this, I can't... Um, as long as I stay with, there's some foods I'm still really scared of. Like I, you will never ever see me eat a cucumber ever again. Um, but I'm okay with that. But everything else, I has it hasn't given me a flare. I haven't gotten a single flare Great. in the past like eight months, which is mind boggling. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's just the first take home piece. Like, think about what mm-hmm. foods and situations are worth it to eat low nutrition foods, and you know, think of your goal as only eating those. Mm-hmm. worth it situations on your terms instead of the goal being zero don't want the goal to be like never ever ever eating food just for fun because it's not realistic nor does it work people who try to mm-hmm. eat zero treats they'll eat treats they just get terrible about them. <laughs> yeah okay so bigger scarier topic may be that there's emotions involved in this bucket or might as well eating mm-hmm. it's not just about tasty food being really scarce yeah so if you had to remove the word stress from your vocabulary how Mm -hmm. would you describe your feeling at 2 p.m before you get the fuck it or might as well thoughts uh i think there's i think there's a couple there's a couple pieces there's a couple pieces so i'll start part of it is i'll start going with what i'm thinking um part of what I'm thinking is like it's getting towards like when you when you start out you know there's a fresh day ahead of you anything is possible you can say okay I'm gonna conquer I'm gonna conquer the world today and then it gets to 2 p.m and you realize wow there isn't that much time left in the day the I've I've spent the majority of the day there's a little bit less there's still these core things I need to do and maybe I haven't gotten there yet uh and that can feel overwhelming and there can be a feeling or like a sense of maybe like paralysis of like what do I do next because there's actually like overwhelming because there's so much left to do um and it's like okay well I could go and eat something and then I don't have to do work because I'm eating and when I'm eating I don't have to work and that's that's like one of the um stories that I've had in my head for a very for a very long time like even when I was younger and in school it's like okay when I'm eating I don't have to work and I can work I can work hard and I can work hard outside of that but as long as I'm eating that's no working time okay so do you give yourself breaks for any other reasons besides eating in the bathroom I am very lucky I can bring my dog into work so I will go and take her for a walk um I'll go and take her for a walk when I'm at home, I will take the like, we'll try to supplement that feeling instead of eating and practice doing something like reading for 15 minutes or going giving our partner a hug because we both work from home. Uh, when I'm in the office, 
it feels harder. It feels like like socially unacceptable to be there and to be not working for 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that like that pressure, that pressure is there. So I could go and like talk to somebody and socialize, but I, you know, sometimes like I don't want to interrupt someone else in their day if, if they're focusing. Um, and I could, I could go for a walk. Like I know I could go, like, this is where it's hard because I know the things I could do. Like I could go into a conference room and um, play a song. I could go into a conference room and do a meditation. I could go for a walk. I have found it's hard. It's hard to actually to do that. And I, I end up in the like might as well mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree with you that it's hard to make these yeah. changes. However, it still might be worth the effort. Yeah. So um, there are also some other things you can do. For example, can you wear headphones at your desk and listen to a song at your desk and nobody even knows you're taking a break? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Just put your headphones in, listen to a song. You can even have a document open on your screen. But let yourself just listen to the song or just Mm -hmm. listen to the meditation. Mm do other people in your workplace take breaks to do nothing or to stall or? I think they'll do to uh, like socialize or talk with each other. So it's not like, it's not like you're in like a room where like everyone's furiously typing on their computer. Or no supervisors walking around. like <laughs> No, no. no I, I, I think there's more flexibility. I think there's more flexibility. Yeah. Okay. So it can be helpful to stay mindful of your state and try and tune into like, what do I need right now? Is it that I am hungry or am I needing a break? Because if you are needing a break, which makes sense, there's nothing wrong with somebody for needing a break. So, you know, again, Mm -hmm. like treats where people think like, I shouldn't be ever eating for fun. Yeah. Thinking like I should be working unless I'm attending to bodily functions Mm-hmm. It's also not realistic. You know, your your brain needs some time between churning out ideas and and work mm-hmm. to refill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um so being willing to give yourself that time is really important. Mm-hmm. Recognizing the benefit of it that if you do take a break. You can get more done when you come back from your break often than if you sit there mm-hmm. and like some people refuse to take breaks at all and then they end up sitting there spaced out in front of the document. Yeah. Or they find themselves zoning out at other times of day. So I, I mm-hmm. often will say if you don't take the break, the break will take you. Yeah. Your colleague will be talking to you and you're like, uh-huh. What? I'm sorry, were you talking? You're like, oh my God, I totally didn't pay attention to what that person was saying. Yeah brain needs those breaks so recognize that you're going to take a break no matter what the question is do i want to eat when i take a break or do i want to let myself Mm -hmm. do other stuff Mm -hmm. when i take breaks what questions or concerns does that bring up for you i think it's the concern i think no questions i think the concern is more around um trying it and doing it consistently i think the challenge I'm facing is I it's not an awareness issue it's an execution issue for me like I I feel like I am more aware of like the things that I 
should be doing or could be doing or alternatives. And it's a matter of trying, like when that comes up, actually having the motivation to do it and stick to it. Yeah. Um, just really, really tough. Like, like I want to do better. Like I have an alarm set on my phone at 2 PM because I know that that's like my trigger. So that's, that's me trying to like remind myself and be like, okay, 2 PM's here. Like, let's try to get ahead of it. Uh, it's like with dog training. I don't know if you've had this with dog training, but the idea is like, you know, if they're, it's easier, like it's easier to do something preventative than corrective. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so I'm like, okay, can I get ahead of it? But then I don't. <laughs> What is the reminder to do? Like, what do you expect yourself to do to get ahead of it? Um, the reminder, the, I think the reminder is for myself to be mindful and to try to do something like this. So, like, go for a walk. Have, like, reminding myself, like, hey, you're about to go into this, like, difficult state or this period that is typically, like, really difficult for you in the next four hours, five hours from, right. like, 2 to 7 p.m. Um, so let's be mindful that, like, we're entering, we're entering, like, yeah, the, the tough part of the race, let's say. Yeah. It would be helpful to give yourself more specific direction. Mm-hmm. Like, be mindful and do something for yourself. Now, that sounds great, but it's not actionable. That's the sort of alarm we all ignore. Mm-hmm. So, if it was like Monday, 2 p.m., get up from whatever you're doing and walk across the room at least. Better yet, walk around the building. But mm-hmm. like specific, like Mondays at 2 p.m., I stand up and I walk. Mm-hmm. Tuesdays at 2 p.m., I stand up and I make myself a cup of tea. Wednesdays at 2 p.m., I play five minutes of meditation. Thursday, I listen to one song on Spotify. Friday, I text one of my friends to ask how her day is going. Mm-hmm. Very specific now. Yeah. To do one of those things. Um, so when people have an execution issue, but they already know what to do. It gets much more interesting because what we can do is learn a lot about it by seeing that there must be resistance there. And that's a normal part of the change process to have resistance. Mm -hmm. What does your resistance say? I think my resistance at this time, basically my priorities flip. Um, so instead of my priority being my health and improving my relationship with food, um, and feeling in like, you know, getting a good night's sleep even, uh, my priority becomes like, do what I can to get through this next, like, you know, five hour cycle or this next four hour cycle. Um, and that's, that's, that's how, that's how it feels to me. Sure. So a long-term better relationship with food takes a back seat to the immediate need to get through the situation. Yeah. Now this is normal. It's a normal function of the brain to turn to immediate gratification in certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. So those certain circumstances involve very high levels of distress. So if there's a train speeding at you, you might not be like, I should take my cart, my heart medication. <laughs> like long-term goals don't matter in an acute mm-hmm. crisis. Mm-hmm. So I understand that there's not a train speeding at you, but this is a good indicator the way you're saying it, that the amount of distress you're in 
is high enough for you to put your long-term goals aside, that tells me it's pretty high. Yeah. And it's um, consistent. So and it's <laughs> I said it's like consistent. It's um it's it's pretty it's pretty consistent, yeah. With the job. Okay. So your distress level is quite high. I would probably take the angle of let's figure out what we can do about that. Because if you were having an easier time and you were 50% less upset, worked up, you know, on edge, whatever we want to call it at that moment, mm-hmm. you may not have your priorities flip. How the thing that um, I'm curious, because I, I both like agree with you. And then there's a piece that I'm trying to work through in my mind is when I'm at home, I don't feel that way. Um, and the work is the same. Like, you know, the work I need to do on Monday pretty much looks the same as it is on Tuesday. It's it's not like I have like, let's say like a customer, a queue of customers on Monday and then no queue on Tuesday. So it's like, okay, serving these, serving these people or helping them solve their problems is really tough. But the next day there's nothing like it's, it's pretty even. Okay. Um, and Monday I'm in the office and Tuesday I'm at home. That's a great point. That's a great point. Like, why would it be so much more distressing on Tuesday than Monday. Yeah. Now it could be your distress level isn't actually that high, but the bar has come down because you've learned there's a sugary reward mm-hmm. if you flip your priorities. Yeah. That context of being at work at that time with that food around can the like classic conditioning. It's like you have a Yeah, it's just like it's it's so tempting. It's like so like it's so tempting to be like, okay, I can do this thing that's really tough and I have to actually think and use my brain and focus or I can go get like this really lovely pastry at home. <laughs> it's like, okay, I have to do this thing that's tough and I have to think about it and focus or I can have like this really nice piece of like salmon um, and hard boiled eggs. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, salmon and hard boiled eggs. Like, yeah, that's fine. That's not like, it's not like causing a dopamine release. Yeah. So what you're seeing here is I can do this thing that's tough or I can get a lovely pastry. Mm-hmm. You're seeing like, it, so consider that we have two options in front of us now. There's mm-hmm. other options, but we're just going to consider these two of like yeah. work, pastry. Now, both options have an upside and a downside, both continuing to work and stopping mm-hmm. to work to get pastry. Now, what your mind is doing there is showing you only the downside of continuing to work and only the upside of getting the lovely pastry. So it's not a fair fight. Brain's like, Mm -hmm. would you like this lousy thing or the really nice thing? Yeah. So of course you're gonna go for the really nice thing. It's like you're not being told the small, the fine print on the pastry is that it actually comes with a really high cost. Yeah of weight gain stress management confidence your ability to handle challenges like it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. good to think i can't handle a breeze blowing the wrong way without finding a bakery it's uh, not saying that that's you but there's something that feels good about being confident in our ability to handle stress and snafus at work unaided Mm -hmm. by food yeah yeah and that would feel really good but you're not seeing that side Mm mm-hmm what we can do is actually try and expand on what are the good things about continuing to work through that mm-hmm. and look more at what are actually the costs of the, pat- the pastry. Maybe it's not 100% lovely. 
Let's tell him worth a shot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's try it. What's good about continuing to work even though it's tough? Um, I can feel the satisfaction of doing a hard thing. And I'm the type of person who likes doing hard things. All right. We have a growth, we have a growth mindset household. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can mostly, it's for me, it's around the satisfaction is in like solving the problem, solving the problem and like feeling, feeling the satisfaction and in solving the problem. And like also the relief of not having to worry about it and feeling like proud in my quality of work and letting the rest go. Nice. Relief of not having to worry about it. And each problem you solve is just one more problem behind you and one fewer in front of you. Mm -hmm. That all sounds really good. How soon could you enjoy that feeling? Would it take hours, days, minutes? I, I think it could be... I think I can make progress in hours if I was very focused if I was if I was focused on the specific question or problem like I think I could I could actually feel that over the course of like three or four hours um for the type of work that I do as long as I'm focused in that time and not context switching okay so if you decide no I'm not going for the pastry right now I'm going to choose to continue mm -hmm. to work yeah it would take three or four hours and then you'd be like go me I'm doing a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Any chance that you could purposely do that a little earlier? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that goes back to the piece, the piece around, and this is just my own work style, which I, I think you're bringing a, you're highlighting a good point. It's like in the beginning of the day. So if I did that hard thing earlier in the day, then it's behind me versus doing some of the easier things um, in the beginning of the day and then getting to two o'clock and realizing, oh, wow, I left. My intent was to do the hardest thing first, but it turns out I, I let myself do all the easy things. And then this hard piece of work that I have to do, I left it. I left it for this time when I'm like most vulnerable with my own decision-making. Mm -hmm. So I, I like what you're saying with like, if I did this hard task earlier in the day, it would be behind me sooner. I'm actually thinking of shortening the three or four hour time frame so that perhaps you can say, you know, I'm proud of me mm -hmm. as soon as you decide to not get the pastry and to work. Make yourself proud by choosing to do the hard work. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm trying to do here is we want to form these intrinsic rewards and like feel this motivation. We also want to make it as immediate gratification as possible to choose mm -hmm. to do the work. So I'll tell you a little story about myself. I like many people love cold cereal and I like many people always want a second bowl of cereal. If I eat one bowl of cereal, because like the crunch, yeah. cold milk, oh, it's just so good. So before bed, I'll be in the kitchen eating a bowl of cereal and one bowl wants to get a second bowl of cereal. And I will tell you, if I eat two bowls of cereal, I will have heartburn all night. 
Mm. This is too much volume. Guaranteed, like night follows day, I will have heartburn. Yeah. So I'm in this position where I want the second bowl of cereal every time, but I know what's going to come if I eat mm-hmm. the second bowl of cereal. I'm not going to say that I do this 100% successfully. <laughs> but one thing that really helps is I'm halfway through the bowl and I'm going, I will want another bowl of cereal after I finish my Cheerios here. And I'm going to make myself so proud mm-hmm. putting the bowl in the sink and walking upstairs. And I'm like getting ready. Like, are you ready to make yourself proud? There's only a couple of bites left here. You're going to finish this. You're going to make yourself proud. And then I'm like, yeah, making myself proud, making myself proud, putting the bowl in the sink, making myself proud all the way up the stairs. I love that. Because if you, if I think like, wah, wah, Georgia can't have another bowl of cereal because I get heartburn. It's not going to put me in a good emotional state. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel very rewarding. Like not getting mm-hmm. heartburn doesn't feel rewarding. So you have to sort of reach for something that is mm-hmm. there that you can feel good about. And for me, like I am proud of myself when I make the the decision to stop and exercise my willpower. And it gives me a sense mm-hmm. of strength that I'm you know, making progress with this challenge because there, there was a long stretch of time where I just continued to eat a mouse that gave me heart. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. so if you're looking at, I'm looking I'm thinking about your work situation and thinking, you know, every time I think of that pastry and I don't go get it, that pastry is losing power and I'm gaining power. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing what I do with my time. And I'm choosing like what you said earlier, like I'm a person who likes hard things. That's a great identity to, to feed. Like, yeah, it's a lot easier to eat a pastry than to continue working. But my values are such that I'm going to be happier with myself if I continue working. Because there's been a lot of days that I ate pastries. I know how that goes. I want to stay in line with my values, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So consider giving yourself some immediate props every time you choose not to get the pastry. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. I, oh, sorry, go on. Uh, just one other thing that I'll throw in there is that this doesn't have to be black or white where you mm-hmm. eat the pastry immediately or you don't eat it at all. Many people do well with a delay period. Yeah. And they say, you know, I am going to choose to work for 10 more minutes and mm-hmm. I'm going to be proud of myself for that. And then I'm going to reassess. And if I still want the pastry, I'm going to go get it. Yeah. I think the, I, I don't think I'm there yet. I, I would love, I think when I say like, I want to improve my relationship with food, I'd like to be at a point where like, I can do that and feel like I'm choosing it right now. If I do that, I will be a hamster wheel. So I'll go get the pastry. I'll go back. I'll try to do my work. And then it's like, I will be stuck in this mindset of this hamster wheel. Of like all I'm thinking about is like the other pastry that was there. Like, okay, I'll go back and do one more. And it's like this, this cycle and then over the course of like an hour, I will have done that like multiple times. Like, like um, I call it, I, it's literally a hamster wheel because I'm in my seat. I get up from my seat. I'll walk over to the kitchen. I'll get the pastry. I'll go back to my seat. I'll do a little bit of work. I'll go back. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like this hamster wheel or like this carousel that like I cannot get off. So um, I would like to be at the point where like I have one, I feel good. I can walk away um, and not have it. But it's like, I don't know if it's something with the sugar. It's also like the relationship that I have with food. It, it right now when that happens I'll get into this mindset where it's just 
I'm on the like sugar, the sugar carousel carousel. Um, and it's like, it's the only thing I could think about until I like physically leave. Like, like, okay, I gotta go. Like after myself in the situation, I'll go home. I'll work from home. Um, because I can't do another round of the hamster wheel. Sure, sure. I appreciate the amount of distress that causes too. Doesn't feel good. Um, no. So this is also something that I hear about people saying, like, once I get some, then I just want to go back and get some more. And then I just want to go back mm-hmm. and get some more. This is another reason why it's helpful to tell yourself you can have that food in the future, as opposed to telling yourself no. Mm-hmm. Like... There's more pastries. I can have another pastry tomorrow. I don't need to have all of it right now. Part of the difficulty is if you're trying to tell yourself no pastry whatsoever. Uh, I see what you're saying. That you're setting yourself up for, there's this long looming stretch after today of no pastries. So like while I've crossed the line and made today a pastry day, mm-hmm. game on, I'll just keep eating them. But if you say like, I can have another one tomorrow, it changes the dynamic. Do you feel how that's different? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, of course, tomorrow is an arbitrary time point, And some people need to start with, I can have another in two hours. Mm-hmm. And to just try and build up the tolerance for delayed gratification mm-hmm. in that context, one mm-hmm. bit at a time. Building tolerance for delayed gratification sounds like an exercise in suffering. And it's not. It's yeah. actually... Also building up the appreciation that it can feel good to look forward to something and can feel good to know that we're strengthening our muscle to hold out for a better long-term reward. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like some of the things that you've said indicate a sense that you may have some of that powerlessness feeling. Uh I think at time, I think at times, I think there's like, there's been a journey already. So even this mindset around like restriction is one that I've, I feel like I've worked through a lot and don't have as much as I, as I used to have it. Like the story that I would have in my head in the beginning was, oh, I'll have this now because I've, I've never had this, like, or I'll never get this again. Like growing up, Growing up, especially like this piece around zero, like we just never had any sweets in the household. Like we even like on Halloween when we had candy, our parents would like go through the candy and like pick things out that we like, they thought we couldn't eat. Like it's like, I remember, I remember like going to college or like even the early years when I, when I would eat, I could eat and stomach some of these things be like, oh, I'll have this now because if I don't have this now, I'll never have the chance to have it again. Or I've never been able to have it. Like I remember feeling that way the first time I had a Snickers. I was like, Oh, I've never had a yeah. Snickers. Like, I'll get to have a Snickers yeah. now. And then like, if I don't do it now, I'll never have it again. Like that piece. Um, I feel more at peace with from the, from the work and effort that I've done. Um, it's, it's like this piece around like the mindless eating like I'm more aware of it now, whereas before it was ignorant, it was just happening. And now I know that it's happened. I know that's happening, but then I kind of forget that it's happening or forget that I know that it's happening. So I think, I think you're right. There is, there is something there, but there's also some, some progress relative to where I was maybe like a year ago. Yeah. Okay, good. I mean, yeah. that's great. We're all works in progress. And this is one area yeah. growing in. Little pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it keeps our egos from getting too big, right? <laughs> Every day, every day, there's a challenge. That's uh, why we're that's why we're here to do the hard things. 
That's very yeah. hard to do the hard thing. Yeah. I I know messages in the media and advertising mm-hmm. often feed people this line of reasoning that they're powerless in the face of sugar. You know, there's a fair amount of people out there that will be like, sugar's addictive and you should never have it. Mm-hmm. Because moderation is impossible. Which falls apart as soon as you point out that many millions of people eat sugar in moderation. So it's certainly reinforcing mm-hmm. to eat hyperpalatable foods. Yeah. As many other things are pleasant enough that we are evolved to want to do them again. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it overrides your autonomy or your sense of control over yourself. I think that I agree with you if I'm in the environment that supports that. So what I'll say, for example, is like if I were, I'll, I'll describe two different scenarios. One is like that have that I lived experience that have happened. And it's like one is not with my partner and we go we have a meal, we have a pastry. We, after the pastry, we leave the pastry shop, we walk around, but you know, I feel good. Like I had the one pastry, I went and I bought it. I went, we bought it, we walked out. I feel good about that experience. Like we had some sugar. I'm happy about that. I look forward to that. I'm like really looking forward. Like after his photo shoot, we're going to have pizza. And I'm really looking forward to like having two slices of pizza with him. Like that feels, I know I will eat that and feel good and we'll really relish it. The other scenario is at work and it could be the same thing where let's say, let's take the stress away from it. And there's the pastry there, but it's in multiple quantities and it's there for multiple hours. And every time I go get a water, I go and I see it. And it's like this unlimited vending machine, not even a vending machine. Cause it's just out. I don't have to do it. Like the barrier to get it is easy. I can't walk away from it. I think that's a scenario where I have a lot of trouble with sugar and it feels more addictive. Whereas in the first setting, I could have it and walk away from it and not see it. Whereas here in these settings, it's like I'm bombarded again and again and building up the willpower against that and feeling okay with just one is really tough. Even when I go back to my desk, even if I visually, even if I'm like physically away from it, I know in my mind there's more there that's like so accessible and easy to take. Like it costs, it literally like it physically costs nothing. Like it doesn't cost any dollars. There's no transaction costs. It doesn't even cost my cost. The, the only time it takes is for me to walk there. Um, and that's the place where I have the trouble with sugar. And that's where I feel like it's like, I'm on the carousel. Yeah. Okay. So what are the actual costs? Is it really just the time that it takes to walk there or does it be pay some sort of cost emotionally or physically i know that i pay the cost emotionally and physically later on i know that i feel that later on and the next day but in that moment um even if i know that that piece it's like the the piece in my mind that wants to stay on the carousel is drowning out the more rational side it says hey if you go and do this like to yourself you're like oh if i go and do this like i'm gonna have heartburn like oh if i go do this my stomach's gonna hurt i'm not gonna sleep well I'm going to be really crabby the next day and not fun to be around. I'll be really upset with myself. I'll be upset with work. Like it's like, I could even know that me telling myself that and still walk and go get the third donut. Like it's, that's, that's, that's the piece that I, in those situations, I'd rather like get up and leave 
that's the only that's like the most effective way that I found to manage that situation is like literally leave and work from home. Okay. Okay. So we all have different challenge levels of different things. Mm-hmm. So like if you didn't like donuts, it wouldn't be a challenging situation. Yeah. Like if they put a food there that's super challenging for you and you have a checkered history in this setting, it's like high on the challenge level. Yeah. You may choose not to eat hyper palatable foods in that situation. Yeah. Like many people who have struggled with emotional eating in the past will designate certain emotions or emotional intensities, no treat zones. Mm. And I think of it similarly to many people will decide if they've had any amount of alcohol, they're not getting behind the wheel of a car. So you may liken that to if someone is feeling intensely emotional, they're not getting behind the wheel of a donut. Mm-hmm. Like just stressful situations are not where I eat hyper palatable foods, knowing that it's a more vulnerable time. Maybe I want to save it and develop a personal system of, I want to only eat these foods with my partner when we're together, because those reliably turn out to be pleasant experiences. Mm-hmm. So I can almost like feel the natural objection that may have come up, which is like, yeah, that all sounds fine and good now. But yeah. tomorrow, I'm going to be like, screw what Georgie said. <laughs> I think I think that's where, and this is actually something I'm trying to practice, is like, is leaving. Like that 2 p.m. alarm. It actually worked well. I did it yesterday for the first time where I did it. I went to it and I was like, how do I feel? I feel myself kind of feeling stressed and scattered. Let me go and work from home. And I left. And like, it was fine. It was like, it was a great day. It's like the best food day that I've had in a long time. I'm like okay can I do that and like gradually every week like push the alarm back let's say like 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes and try to build up the tolerance that way um is like stay until I get to the point where I feel the temptation and then instead of trying to spend all this mental energy like battling with myself don't do it don't do it you won't feel good save it da, da, da. I'd be like okay no just like remove just like walk away do the thing that makes it really easy to prioritize myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good strategy. And it does make sense to have the goal of, well, I guess it, it depends what your long-term goal is. If you have the goal for yourself to just always exit situations where there's Mm -hmm. foods and you feel vulnerable, that's okay. If you're allowed to set whatever goals you want for yourself. Yeah. If you have the goal of eventually I want to be able to work through the day and not eat any, that's also an okay goal. If you have the goal of, I want to be able to eat one and stop at one, that's also an okay goal. So there's, there's no right or wrong in terms of like how a person Mm -hmm. interacts with treat foods. Um, And the systems that I see work for people sometimes are different for different foods. What I mean by that is many people have difficulty with food being inside their home. So if they have, mm-hmm. let's say, a package of Oreos, mm-hmm. it doesn't end well. <laughs> yeah. They've tried everything in the world, but if they buy the Oreos, the Oreos cross the threshold into their home, doesn't end well. So we might decide, you know, the cafeteria and the hospital sells little four or six packs of Oreos. So the only condition under which I'm going to eat Oreos is when I can purchase a four or a six pack. And that's just what's going to work for me. 
-hmm. And they may find that after they have some experiences eating four or six Oreos and being like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm okay with this. Yes, I still Mm -hmm. want more. Who doesn't want more Oreos after eating Oreos? Yeah. But like, I've now done this enough times that I know I'm okay that I can walk Mm -hmm. away from the situation. Mm -hmm. Some people do find that they graduate, I'll say, to having certain foods at home. And some people just decide permanently that this food doesn't need to come home. There's no, like, you're, mm-hmm. you're living proof that it's not a requirement to keep free yeah. foods at home. We can always access them out in the world. I do think it's helpful to have the ability to tolerate, at least temporarily, temptation in your environment without feeling like it's inevitable that you'll give in. Mm. Because there's probably going to be other situations in life. Like, you go to a wedding and there's cake. Yeah. Cake. Yeah. So I think like, okay, so I hear what you're saying. I agree. At work, all these foods, they're generally there in the morning. Like they're still there in the morning. Maybe not the pastries, but like um, normal snacks, cookies, what have you. Like it's all there. It doesn't appeal to me. And then at the 2 p.m., that's when it starts to appeal. And it's like, I'm seeking it out. But earlier beyond that, I, it's not, I'm not seeking out. It doesn't appeal. It's not interesting to me. It's like white noise. It's just something that's there. And I'm just like, okay, this is there, whatever. Um, I don't have an appetite for it. And even later in the day, I know I don't have an appetite for it. I'm just like seeking something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it may be helpful also to talk about other things that you can do when you're in that emotional state. Mm-hmm. Because as you're pointing out, like that's a really good point. It's not about just the work stress because you're not feeling it on other days of the week and it's not just about the food being there and free because that doesn't affect you in the morning it's like the intersection yeah the work stress and the food being there it's like when people talk about the interaction between something that's genetic and environmental so i think there's a few opportunities here one leaving is a great idea yeah. Two, trying to get a little more specific about the emotions that you're feeling at 2 p.m. So, for example, you said overwhelm earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that leads to self-criticism or judgment, I could see shame mm-hmm. popping in. I could see feeling inadequate pop in. I could. I, I'm well versed at being mean to myself, so I can. I can imagine what happens when I do something that I've told myself I don't want to do anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've probably heard of a feelings wheel or heard me talk about it. Uh, I don't think so actually. Okay. So feelings wheel is a graphic that has all sorts of emotion words on it. Oh, Oh, I've done this with, um, like the kids. It's like, I've done it not with a wheel, but with like a chart and it shows all the different emotions. Yes. Because I worked with a therapist and part of, and like trying to get through this and part of what we were talking about was how I, express things in terms of like very logical statements instead of feelings like even early on we're like how do I feel it's like really hard I had to like think about it to not give you like states of mind or logics but you go to feelings so I'm like trying to name my feelings um yes yes wheels are I'll look up the wheel but I have like the kids chart printed out because I need that um so need that yeah so get specific like what emotions are going on here so the, mm-hmm. the thing that you notice is the drive for food, but that Mm -hmm. comes from a feeling. There's a feeling underneath it. 
So when you notice the drive for the food, rather than getting hung up and do I, don't I, what am I feeling? What is the emotion that's coming up right now? And I tell people don't use good, bad, or stressed because they're too general. So as specific as you can get, I'm overwhelmed. I'm disappointed. I'm feeling time pressured. I'm worried about letting people down, like whatever you can get at. Mm-hmm. Try and look at your emotional state. Then what we can do is acknowledge that for these different emotions, there's going to be different strategies that work for them. So for example, if you're finding you're regularly overwhelmed, the things that will be effective actions are likely to be get organized, take one thing at a time, practice calming yourself down and staying on task, not putting unrealistic deadlines and expectations on yourself because they just make us more overwhelmed. So Mm -hmm. those would be different if what you were feeling at 2 p.m. was bored and tired. Those things wouldn't help. If you're bored and tired, we might be like, okay, I need to plan something fun to look forward to to get me through a period of focused work. I'm tired, some caffeine or some more sleep might help. So if you can get specific about the emotions you're feeling, then it's possible to have effective actions for whatever's coming up in that moment mm-hmm. so that it it isn't the only option to get food, but you have other mm-hmm. things you can do to help yourself feel better in that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's interesting. So some, so those are sort of like targeted emotion management techniques. There are some mm-hmm. general ones, which are like very fit, like all purpose Mm-hmm. strategies some of those are distraction is a good one if you can distract yourself from what you're feeling that will help you call like cope with it and tolerate it mm-hmm. so anything that draws your attention that could be putting on a meditation for a few minutes that could be listening to a song like we said earlier taking a short walk now your brain is immediately going to be like i don't have time to do that i have so much work and I'm going to say, if you have time to walk back and forth to the kitchen and get snacks, yes. you have time yeah. to walk somewhere else too. You're taking time either way. Yeah, I agree. I agree so a lot. Let yourself have the distraction instead of snacking. Yeah. Another thing that can be very helpful is uh, journaling or expressing how you feel to another person. Mm-hmm. The workplace, this is often not feasible. So pitching a note to yourself or debriefing in the car, um, talking with your partner when you are back home, mm-hmm. be like, I'm trying to pay attention to what I'm doing this new thing. I'm trying to pay attention to what I'm feeling in the afternoon. And when I paid attention, it was kind of interesting. Like there was definitely a time where I felt overwhelmed. And then there was also mm-hmm. a time when I felt angry. And then I also noticed that that was like overlapping with this time that I was worried about my own inadequacy and like, wow, there's so much going on once I cracked the hood. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that's a little contrived, may not be a realistic conversation in your world, but those sort of things are things that people say to each other. Mm-hmm. And you may be familiar I'm going to assume this based on what you said earlier, that someone asks you how your day was and you tell them what you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And tell them how you felt. Yeah. Yeah. And you can intercalate them like, well, I went to the DMV and was frustrated because I had to stand online. Mm-hmm. And then I had a good meeting with a client and I felt really proud of myself. So just mm-hmm. try to insert the emotions. Yeah. 
porch, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I have actually, um, I have this, I appreciate that. I have this book. It's um, Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. I don't know if you've had it, but I, I keep it on my shelf because it's, I call it my like dictionary of emotions. Cause I'm trying to learn and name all the different emotions. Good. Um, yeah. That'll serve you super well in your yeah. journey to feel comfortable and calm with food mm-hmm. because it's also we want to feel comfortable and calm with handling these emotions when they come up and it's really mm-hmm. normal. Like I used to have very, very low emotional awareness and even lower emotional tolerance. So when I had a feeling come up, it was like, I can't take this. I need to do anything I can to get out of this. And that includes the values flip to where I'll do mm-hmm. stuff that's self-sabotaging, self-harming, yeah. you name it. So yes being able to tolerate feelings, be like, I know what this is. This isn't going to kill me. This Mm -hmm. is something I felt before. I'm getting used to it. It's going to have a lifespan on it. That's Mm -hmm. another helpful one that feelings all come and go. You've gotten over every emotional hump you've faced in your life. So I kind of remind myself of that often. Like this is a really terrible feeling. I'm super uncomfortable. Thank God Mm -hmm. it's not permanent because they never are yeah oh. okay we covered a lot of stuff in the last hour and a quarter is your brain overloaded uh i think that i am mostly grateful for your time uh you've given me a lot to think about and i am excited to let some of these things stew and bake i think overall like i think you said earlier like what is it that like what does good look like and in my mind it's just like improving my relationship with food, improving my relationship with food. Like I know when I do that, the pieces around like weight management and stress, like that will all fix itself as a result. So it's just, it's a piece to the journey. So I have to think through like what I want to do and take and of the different topics we talked about, like just focusing on like small concrete pieces. So I think I just need to digest adjust and decide like what's what's like the small specific action I can take that I can and how can I set myself up to win with that like that's part of the idea around even like leaving every day at two o'clock and then saying okay can I push that to 215 or 230 like just getting a few more wins and consistency and building more of the trust in myself which is another topic I already covered and I was like okay like can I build more trust in myself to rebuild some of these habits in more healthy ways yeah Anything you can do to set yourself up for a lower stress afternoon is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Like this work might begin at eight in the morning. Yeah. You know, it pays off at 2 PM. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. So a lot of times I will tell people when people say, fuck it, screw it, or I don't care. I interpret all of those as I have pushed myself too far. Yeah. Like you needed a break two hours ago. And you needed to empty your bladder instead of holding it for 30 minutes like you did. Yeah, yeah. You need to get up and get yourself something warm if you're cold at your desk. Mm -hmm. Because all of those little stressors add up. Mm -hmm. And it just might be reaching the tipping point at 2 p.m. But you can like do a lot of stuff earlier in the day so your afternoon isn't so difficult. You have more resources left. So taking breaks, tuning into your emotions and trying to name them. Leaving is always an option to just get yourself out of there. Also focusing on the benefits of resisting the urge when it comes up, like not giving into Mm -hmm. immediately has a ton of benefits for you. 
and focus on those because like, yes, there's something lovely about pastry, but there's also mm-hmm. something really lovely about there being pastries and you not feeling like they're powerful over you. Mm-hmm. So thinking about those positive things that you're choosing by the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point. It's a, it's a good reframe. All right. Well, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how your journey unfolds for you. I hope you have uh, some good luck with this stuff, but definitely keep me in the loop. Fire me an email. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and responsive deaths. And again, like all, all the resources, I really do appreciate it. And it's, um, it's also given me more confidence to even talk with like people I work with and being more um, vulnerable around like how the experiences that I'm having and the challenges I'm facing and my goals and being more transparent with it as well um, and feeling more confident and sharing it in a way that I know people won't judge me, but like I feel like releasing any sort of like shame or scared around talking about things that can be hard because it's like, it's not like you broke a leg and you're like, Hey, how's your broken leg? And you're like, yeah, man, it's healing. Um, you know, it's harder when there's not that like physical uh, marker to it. You're saying just talking about like eating issues. Yeah. Yeah. And I find the language can be different based on who we're talking about it with, but talking about it in general is healthy and helpful. I think a lot of people will relate to the things in here. So, um, the, the piece that I, that I'm okay with living with adding in is the like, um, cause I think it's interesting is the complexity around, and he and I've had a lot of conversations about this, of like putting up boundaries when, um, I'm having issues with my relationship with food and he doesn't, but he has a very different lifestyle approach, um, foods that he's eating, ways that he's having it. Like we've talked about things like even the food scale, like I've had to ask him, like, I appreciate this is important to you. Like when possible, like we can't talk about this anymore. Like, I don't want to see you like weighing we've had we've put in like recently in the last couple months like more boundaries around that than before because it's like gotten to a point where like I can't this isn't helpful this isn't helpful for me this is really tough so I don't know how many of your people you work with are in situations where like they have a partner where there's they both have very specific goals but they're actually not uh complementary they may end up being more um, triggering each other (laughs) yeah triggering each other and it's tough because you you love that person and you want them to live their life but at the same time, you know, the way that they're living their life is making it a challenging environment for you and you're in very close proximity and you want to support them. But the way that you can support them, you have to first support yourself and put a boundary in place and talk through with them and probably end up making some like changes that are maybe unconventional. Like we made certain rules, like he was really important to him to have a food scale. And I was like, I just can't see the food scale. We have to put it away. We have to put it in the cupboard. Like I don't want the food scale out. Like it's just really triggering for me. So anyway, sorry. Last minute tangent there, but that's to say if that that piece is helpful, then keep it. Awesome. He wouldn't mind. He knows that. Okay. Well, I've taken enough of your time for today. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it in the meantime. And if there's also anything that I can do to be helpful for you or Mary Claire, like, please, please let me know. Totally. What ideas did you get from this episode? Did you stop to consider the patterns displayed by your own binges or emotional eating? For Rachel, it could be the 2 p.m. and working in the office setup, but for you, your sensitive time might be a different hour of the day or a different setting. 
Perhaps you've experienced exactly what Rachel described as the flipping of priorities, where food temporarily feels a lot more important than your goals. You may realize that you too can practice delaying gratification, or perhaps you'll try considering both the pros and the cons of following a compulsion to eat versus resisting that urge. There are so many tools available. I hope you won't just listen to people's stories on this podcast, but roll up your sleeves and try some of the suggested actions. If you do, give yourself a high five for me. If the podcast is helpful to you, please consider rating it or leaving a review. I truly appreciate you listening. Until next time, take care of yourself and keep fighting for your own good. It's not easy, but your life is worth it, and I believe in you.